Welcome to the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Inman, and I'm joined by star producer and co-host, Chris Brito. We're breaking down two more divisions, over-unders, plus the ramifications of the huge Trayvon Green punch at Warriors camp. Before we get to that, Chris, my friend, this is our first episode of our sixth season. What an incredible ride, and I'm thrilled we get to keep doing this. How are you? Hey, Stevie. I can't believe it's been six six great seasons with you already. Uh, excited to continue that and for many, many seasons to come. Uh, but in the time being, we have a lot of a lot of NBA stuff to talk about. Uh, the Draymond Green punch, we, we all saw the video. I think when we initially heard about it, I think the impression of it was that, okay, this happened. It's not as bad as, as probably how it sounds. Um, but upon looking at the video, I think it took a really drastic turn in the whole incident because it really looked like, you know, some people said Draymond sucker punched Jordan Poole. Other people were more on like, listen, like, you know, Poole pushed, Draymond reacted. It doesn't really matter. Uh, I think what matters is like, violence like this shouldn't really happen at at, at this level and and quite frankly, you know, Draymond needs to get suspended for for a few games. I think it if if the Warriors really want him back, I think he needs to get punished just to prove the point that like you you're not above the team either. And if you're the Golden State Warriors. Does this make you more inclined to try to make the trade now? It seems as if both sides kind of expect this could be his last season as a Warrior. Does this motivate you to say maybe it's best to not have that contract distraction and we should just cut ties now? Who's gonna who's gonna trade for him? Who's gonna who's gonna take on that contract? Is I mean it's okay. So let's let's just say it's like let's say I'm just picturing this in the top of my head right now. It's a three-team trade between the Lakers, Pacers, and uh and the Warriors, where Miles Turner goes to the Warriors, Draymond Green goes to the Lakers, and draft picks go back to Indiana. Is that something that if you would be interested in pursuing if you're Golden State? I mean, it makes sense for Golden State, but are the Warriors going to let go of those picks? I mean, are the Lakers going to let go of those picks? They haven't They're considering doing it for Miles Turner now. Would they? And that's a question. Would they rather have Miles Turner or Draymond Green? I don't know. But the point is, like, they would have options. They definitely would. It's just can you go by without the heart and soul of your team when incidents continue to happen? I, I mean, listen, only the only people that really know are the, are, are the Warriors brass and, and Draymond how wounded the Warriors are from this incident. Like if you could come up ways of how the Warriors could implode, this is how you would probably draw the script um, with Draymond becoming a distraction and potentially like, dividing the team so i think the mode of operation like now is like first things first you suspend draymond and i think during the season if things progress to get worse i think that's the signal to trade him otherwise like there won't be no last dance here for draymond in in golden state um i i i also don't see the words in in an, like in, in an urgent position to trade for him right now so like, sure, the Warriors have options, but it's just not going to happen right now. Yeah, 
I I agree, and I think this is a. I think this is going to be his last year as a warrior. I really do. It's just they've done such a great job in ownership group of of spending the money, but you're going to have to pay. You have Steph on a giant max. Clay is up for a contract. Wiggins is up for a contract. Poole is up for a contract. Draymond's up for a contract. Somebody's got to go. And when Draymond continues to have you know incidents like this, you know he gets suspended in the finals. It's it's really hard for the team to justify bringing him back on a giant deal when all those guys are needed and you're starting to see his offensive capabilities start to decline. And obviously, if he has a big year, all that can change. There's nothing decided right now, but that's the way it's looking. Yeah, and like, listen, like he played awful in the finals and the Warriors won pretty convincingly. So it might be time to move on from him. Um, but listen, only the next few, the next few weeks will be really telling to see what the future for green lies. Um, but let's move on to something a little bit more optimistic. Well, depending on the team, um, we're going to go through the South East division in the East. Uh, you know, last few weeks, we've been covering the Western conference teams. We're going to start with the Eastern conference now. And so I want to start with the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks upgraded with Jonte Murray who's an amazing fantasy basketball piece. Um, but he's gonna do, it looks like he's developing chemistry with the other Atlanta Hawks. And so right now, Vegas has them at 45 and a half wins. I think they're going to beat that number. I mean, they had a similar record. Or they 42 wins? 40 they points? won 43 last year. 43. Okay. So I think Murray gets them at least four more wins or five more wins. Um, yeah, I I agree with you, Chris. I think this is you also have to remember it was a long time ago, right? But this was also a team that really underachieved last year. They talked about how they were not motivated for the regular season, and it was really hard to get up for these game after game after game when they're not they don't have that postseason atmosphere. And I think a year out from that, I think they're gonna bounce back. I think they're gonna be one of the top six teams in the East. And I think Murray's going to be a big part of that. And as you said, John Collins is still on this roster, even though he's been in 10,000 trade rumors in the last couple of years. But I think uh, 48, 49 wins, I think is very doable for this Atlanta team. On the other hand, we have the Charlotte Hornets. We're going to go through, um, we're going to talk about LaMelo Ball's injury uh, later on. But right now Vegas has them at 34 and a half wins. If we would have done this pod, 20 minutes ago or 30 minutes ago uh vegas had them at, at what 36 and a half yeah i believe that would have been a bet i would have, i would have been really comfortable with taking in terms of the under um but i think 34 and a half is a little too close for me i'm still gonna go under but i don't feel as confident yeah i'm with you i it's just such a hard number because Lamelo is that good. He really is. And if he's going to give you 65 games, I feel confident that he can carry a team to around that play in range the way he has in the last few years. They won 43 games last year. And it's basically the same team, obviously, minus Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges was their second best player last year. They didn't replace him. How many wins does that cost you? I think you can make a case that, that that's going to cost you you know, five, six, seven wins. The East got a lot better last year as well. So 34 seems reasonable. And it really just comes down to 
how motivated is this team to win or lose games? If LaMelo is fighting and pushing them to that 37 wins, is Michael Jordan going to really say, "Let there's no point of this. Let's try to tank for Victor Wembanyama." He has never done that in the past, but he's a smart guy. And obviously that's the smart play. So it really just comes down to what is their motivation? And I don't think we know. Yeah, that's a big question mark. And I think, honestly, the Hornets are in that perpetual no-man land area, even if they had bridges. So this might be a blessing in disguise for them. All right, Chris, the Miami Heat. 49 and a half wins over under. Uh, I I take the under on this one. I like they haven't really improved in the offseason. And I think that there's this, I think at some point, like the Heat are going to run out of like just being conditioned enough and athletic enough to, to be really good. Um, they have an improved Nets team, an improved Sixers team. They have, uh, the Bucks and the Celtics. Um, I just don't see them being better than 49 and a half. I think I'd take the under on that one. I'm taking the over. I, I think they're always very consistent. And every playoff team that's in the playoffs every year kind of eventually goes, all right, we realize the regular season doesn't really matter. And we are able to kind of cruise. Miami is the only one that never does that. They always give it 110% every time. And I believe they're going to get a better year out of Kyle Lowry. They already acknowledge they have to get in better shape. I don't see a, a, a starting player on a Pat Riley organization not being in their best shape of their life. So I think you're going to see a big improvement from Kyle Lowry this year. I'm a, Obviously, Jimmy Butler is great. And I think Tyler Hero is going to continue to take a step forward. So those three guys, I think, are going to be big along with Bam Adebayo. And I think this is a 50-win team. I dis- I, or wait, I disagree, but it's okay. I think it's because you're becoming a, a Florida resident soon. Well, speaking of Florida teams, the Orlando Magic, 26 and a half wins. They get the number one pick. They grab Bal- Paolo Bencaro. It's a little hard for me to say they're going to get the number one pick and they're not going to try to win as many games as they can with this young player in this new era. But at the same time, Victor Robinyama is really good. And so... I don't know if they have the talent and I don't think they have the motivation to win too many games. I think this is also an under. Yeah, it's definitely an under for me. I just don't think they have enough veteran pieces slash like good enough talent in order for them to win more than that, those amount of games. But it should be an exciting team with, with Moncaro. All right, last one. The Washington Wizards over under 35 and a half wins. Oh, under, 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 under. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, this reminds me of very, it's very similar to the Charlotte situation where it's Bradley Beal has kind of carried this team for the last few years. You're not really sure why they're doing this. Now they gave him a super max and they're just going to continue to ask him to carry this team. Porzingis is here now. I think he'll help. And I think they're going to be right around this number the entire year. I don't think this is an easy one, but the, the East has gotten way better as the entire NBA. And they really haven't. They all they really did was they just brought Beal back. And I don't love the fit with Porzingis Beal. I'm not confident anyone on this team will play any defense at all. And for that reason, under 35 and a half wins. Yeah, and I'm with um 
I'm also in, on the under with that one just because um, they did add some pieces. Um, well, in terms of like late last year when they made that trade with Dallas. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with this Wizards team. I think it's like they were supposed to be at crossroads. They should have not signed Beal, but this is clearly an attempt to put all the chips forward with with Beal. Um, I just don't see it. I don't see them being having getting away with more than 35 wins this year. All right, Chris, how would you rank these teams in the Southeast? I'm going to say Miami takes the division. Atlanta, also a playoff team, uh, is second. And then I think these other three are bottom feeders where I would probably rank them Wizards, Hornets, Magic. I think, yeah, I'm I'm probably going to go with you on the same boat there. I think the Heat, but not by much. And the Hawks, I guess the Hornets. Actually, no, I'd probably put the Wizards and then the Hornets and then and then um, the Magic for the South. Wizards, to me, have more vets that can do positive things, whereas Charlotte, I don't really know what is there. I mean, it's Lamelo. there's there's Scary Terry, uh, the blank, Gordon Hayward's PJ Washington. still on the roster. But yeah. I don't know if he's how much he's gonna play. It's uh it's a really bad, bad roster. And it's unfortunate because you know you're always rooting for uh for Michael Jordan to continue to win. <laughs> of course. Am I? I actually don't I was kind of kidding, but um, oh. it's interesting because you know he's the greatest player ever and he's had one of the least success as an owner in his what 15 years doing this. But I don't think that's that crazy though. Like, just because you were great as a player. Yeah, but, like, one of the worst. Not like he's mediocre at it. Like, this has been just horrible drafts, bad luck, no free agents. It's just every – bad like coaches. Like, everything has been rough. I just think that as someone like him, you look at things through the prism of being – a once in a lifetime generational player that it sort of clouds your skills as a talent evaluator because you see things the way you did in a, it sounds weird, but in a privileged position, like he was like, not, he didn't like have to like scrap the way other sort of evaluators do. And so that's why I don't think he excels as a, as a, you know, as a team builder per se. And obviously bringing in the right people is the most important thing you could do as an owner. They haven't done it. And then, and then the other aspect of that is like, you know, it, you know, I feel like people like in his position probably have an ego. Right. And so he always probably thinks that he's right or, or has the right inclination of the people around him. But I'm going to guess Michael Jordan has a lot of yes men around him. Um, and he just hasn't put the right person for basketball operations in charge underneath him. And that's just the reality of the things like other, like, like that's, that's kind of like the difference with the Knicks now, right? Like we have a competent person leading the team apparently. So. I mean, we'll see, we'll see if you're still saying that when they're, when they win their 38 games this year, but I digress. Let's move on to the central division. 
The Chicago Bulls, still without Lonzo Ball, it's unclear if and when he'll come back this year, but their over-under is 41 and a half. What do you think? They won 46 last year for a comparison. I'm inclined to go over with this one. Um, I think if you have a good year from DeRozan and then another good year from Levine, I don't see why this team would have won 42 games. Who is their point guard? I mean, it was always DeRozan. So you're asking, like, if you're telling me he's going to be as the shot maker he was and the playmaker that they're going to need him to be this year, I think 41 and a half is very doable. But I think you're asking him to be, you know, an MVP candidate again. And, you know, having a career year at this stage of his career, I thought was a lot to ask for. And if he could do it, then he'll do it again. But, you know, he's, he's 33 years old coming off a career year can you really expect that again i'm gonna say yes actually and i'm gonna go with the uh the over there as well i, I feel like you were mean, I feel like it i feel like at one point you were trying to convince yourself not to take the over there <laughs> i was thinking about it pretty hard actually but you know 28 a game you know five assists 5.2 rebounds 50 percent from the floor he just had an amazing year and levine is great too they bring them both back I'm curious to see what goes on with Vucevic, who was not great last year and obviously is not a great defensive player. So how can he protect the rim? They're they're going without their one of their better defenders in Lonzo Ball. I think their defense is going to regress. And I think they're going to be hovering around this 500 mark the whole year. But I'm going to, let's say 42 and 40, they, they make the play in the, I don't know why they chose to build this roster the way they have, but, uh, Yes, Bulls over 41. Okay, what about the Cleveland Cavaliers? They're at 47 and a half. I'm inclined to go over. I just think that the Cavaliers improved. I think we can expect a better year from Mobley. He's second year in the league, more established. Um, you know, Darius Garland is one year older also. Uh, I just don't see how this team can improve. So I think 47 and a half. Uh, 47 and a half they'll they'll get the over on that one yeah i love this one too i think this is a top four seed in the east they had breakout years from guys like garland and allen and mobley and i think all those guys can still get better i really do i think the mobley situation it's funny because you can make the case that he a year from now is their best player you can make the case that he's their fourth best player and that's not anything negative about mobley it's about how great this roster is and the only way I see a Garland Mitchell backcourt working defensively is if you have two twin towers like you do in Allen and and uh, and Mobley who could potentially be defensive player of the year candidates. So I think this team is great. Ideally, they find themselves a wing. I've heard Jay Crowder. I mean, we've all heard the Jay Crowder rumor, so I think that would be a great fit for them to round out this roster. But for now, I think this is a fifty win team over forty seven and a half. Okay, so then what about the Pacers? The, the Pacers are at 23 and a half wins. It's one of the few things that we have disagreed on today. I'm taking them in the under. I just don't see how this team, A, doesn't trade Miles Turner at some point, And then B, I don't know how they're going to get those wins. So I have them in the under. I know it's a low number, but I have them in the under. 
I'm going to take the over. I just think 23 and a half is such a low number. And as of now, uh, Turner and Heald are still on this roster. And there's no reason for me to think that they're about they're to make exactly winning. Trade. They're, not, they're not exactly like win or win or lose type of players, though. It's to me, it's really hard to imagine they are going to be part of a team that's going to lose that many games. If I mean, especially because like Turner's in a contract year, right? So I don't know. It's it's a hard one. I think Halliburton is still very good. They think he's going to take a leap and become. They've said they're Reggie Miller. You know, that's not a guy who is going to lose, you know, that many games where I think if you told me they're going to trade their vets tomorrow, I think this would change my opinion, but they, they did a huge tank job last year. They lost, like, I'm looking at their last 10 games of last year. They won none of them and they still won 25 games. And so I think it's going to be really hard to put up that kind of tank job when you still have some vets on this team. You have Halliburton on the way up. You have a, you know, a good young rookie you draft in the first, you know, top 10 picks. So I think, I don't think they're going to be a good team, but I think 25 wins is very realistic. Again, I'm going to take the over. Okay. And so the Bucks, the Bucks are 52 and a half. I have them as over. It's going to be a really tough division, but I, I, I think with Middleton back and the Bucks having an offseason to like retool and like get right, I think it'll be a good year for the Bucks. 52 and a half. I'm taking the over. This one's tough. I think this is the hardest one we've had so far. Remember, they only won 51 last year and the East got a lot better. So the question is, can they stay healthy? You know, Holiday is getting a little older. Middleton's getting a little older. I think they're going to be a little motivated coming off of the, you know, tough second round exit that they took where Middleton was hurt and they lost to Boston in seven games. I'm going to take the over just because I think they're going to be a little more motivated than the, they have in the last few years in the regular season. And then finally, we have the Detroit Bucks, uh, the Detroit Pistons, sorry. Uh, they're at 29 and a half wins. Another one of the few ones we've disagreed on. I have the under. I think it's the young pieces that the Pistons are great, but I still think they're like a year away from like really making a, you know, a play-in sort of team right now. Like I, I just don't see it. I do see it. I think Cunningham and, you know, this young group, I think they're going to do their best to win as many games they can. I think they're going to fall short of the play-in, but I think they're going to hover around to the point where they're going to be frisky enough and good enough where fans are not going to be clamoring for them to tank. I think they're going to be excited about the progress they make. And I think they don't seem motivated by their actions to tank like a lot of these other teams. Like they just traded for Boyan Bogdanovich to fill small forward or power forward. Sadiq Bey is going to be their small forward. But that to me does not say a team that's ready to tank. And because of that, there's so few teams right now that are going to be in that 30 win range. I think they're going to be one of them. And I think they're going to really add some wins down the stretch from the Pacers and the Hornets of the world who may be in that tank job. All right, we'll see. I mean, in terms of these guys, these teams, I'm going to rank them this way. I'm going to have the Bucks first, then the Cavs, Bulls, 
And then between the Pacers and the Pistons, I think I'd go Pistons and then Pacers. I agree. I think that's the way to go. I think this one was kind of an easy one. It's a, it's a good division in terms of the top, but you have two teams in there that could be fighting for lottery ping pong balls, as you said. So it's not a great division. And uh, I'm excited for our final division that we're going to do next week, which is going to be our next division, the Atlantic division. That's a great division. Oh, I can't wait. All right, Chris, let's get to our final thoughts right after this. Okay, Chris, final thoughts time here. One big topic with Knicks uh, has been who should start, Grimes or Fournier? Obviously, every fan wants Grimes. It seems like Thibodeau is going to go Fournier. What do you think of the situation? Uh, You know me, man. I want Grimes to start. I think he's a two-way player, and I, and Fournier isn't. And I, I honestly think Fournier would probably, like, I think he'd excel as a bench player. Um, he could shoot all the threes he wants, not play as hard defense because you wouldn't have, uh, you know, a tougher foe to guard. And quite frankly, I think that's the best place for him. But, you know, right now Grimes is injured, so he can't really, like, show off his his repertoire the way, like, we'd like. But the improvement, we have saw the improvement in the summer league uh, I think it's just a matter of time before Grimes is starter in this in on this team, though. Yeah, I agree. Even if it's not opening night, I still think it's he's going to wind up starting a bulk of those those uh, those minutes over Fournier. And I think it's the right thing because Brunson's an undersized guy. Thibodeau wants his defense. He's going to need a, a guy like Grimes in there over Fournier, and you just got to hope you have enough shooting. Yeah, I just wanted to add that even like Grimes was asked about Fournier starting in, I thought Quentin's answer was perfect. He said, you know, Fournier's earned it. He's been here many years in the league. And sort of that sort of like wisdom beyond his ears, I feel like is bodes well for a guy like him who's on the up, up and up. And in the long run, I think he's going to be end up, he's going to end up starting anyway. So he's putting, he's putting in the work. And um, yeah, he's my guy. All right, Chris, is there anything else you have before we wrap up the show? So do you know how long LaMelo is going to be out for? No, we just believe it's going to bleed into the regular season. Oh, Angle no. sprains are tough to diagnose. It's, it's hard to tell when people are going to come in when they're not. Oof. Yeah, he's supposed to go imaging today at some point. All right. Well, that was one of the big things that really impacted our bet. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of wish we did the uh, the under Hornets 36 and a half now, but, you know, that's how betting works. And that's going to do it for us here on the All Hoops podcast. Chris, my friend, thank you so much. Great start to season six. We'll be back next week to talk about the Atlantic division, our Knicks and what I think is probably the best division, at least in the East. Maybe it's in the whole in the whole league. I know we said that about the Pacific Division. So we'll have to break all that down, plus all the uh, opening night games next week. Bye, everyone.